This is tax update number three. Midweek tax update recorded here on July the 5th, 2005. I'm Ed Zollers and I'm recording today in response to a couple of responses we received on the tax professionals discussion group on Yahoo groups in regards to the earlier podcast regarding the FICA taxation of certain items and a discussion that arose about an unusual result called SPIFs. Now SPIFs are an interesting concept and for those who aren't used to the issue I'll explain the payment structure. SPIFs are manufacturers, automotive manufacturers incentive programs to vehicle salesperson, salespersons at dealerships. Now the auto manufacturer pays the salesperson a direct payment based upon meeting certain incentives for sales of vehicles. Those payments are made from the auto company to the dealer's employee. It is not paid to the dealer. It does not run through the dealership. The interesting issue is what's the proper treatment for these? It's earned income clearly. The question then becomes, well, these subject to FICA or are they subject to self-employment tax? Well, to figure this one out, you have to go back to the definition of each type and if you go back to the document that was presented at the Phoenix Tax Workshop we actually at that presentation discussed this briefly and we discuss in the presentation in the first couple of pages I give you the definition of what is FICA wages section 3121 of the code tells us FICA wages are remuneration for employment paid any medium other than cash Notice it's remunerations for employment and the tax is imposed on the employer and then the employer withholds from the employee this tax. Therefore, that is what is subject to FICA. Now, as also discussed in Section 1402, self-employment tax excludes income from an employee consider an employee is not considered to be carrying out a trade or business for purposes of self-employment tax, Section 1402. So the question becomes, where does this payment fall? And the answer, believe it or not, is nowhere. Why is it nowhere and why is it subject to neither tax? The payment is not FICA wages because the payment is not being made by the person's employer. Rather, it's being paid by a third party, in this case, the auto manufacturer, who is not the person, not the entity that employs this person. So it's not being paid for employment. Therefore, the amount that is paid is reported to this person on Form 1099, not on the W-2 from the dealership, nor does the auto manufacturer issue a W-2 to this person. They are not the employee. They do not have the requisite control. They're not the employer. They do not have the requisite control. Therefore, they're not, they're not subject to FICA. This is not a FICA employer-employee relationship between the auto manufacturer and the salesperson they are paying the SPIF to. Well, if you think about this and you go through your mind the way many accountants do about these two taxes being as an either or, if it's earned income, if it's not one, it's got to be the other, then most accountants tend to default and they see a 1099 for non-employee compensation, or actually it should be reported as miscellaneous income, but in their mind they'll go, well, this is paid as an employee, it's non-employee compensation in my mind, it seems to be. So I'm going to say, aha, received on a 1099, we've got to report that for self-employment tax. That is also the wrong answer. Why? As discussed in the earlier broadcast, section 1402 
does not deal with the question, does not have a definition that says it applies to all income if FICA does not. It does not say it applies to all earnings from a trade or business and they exclude those that are subject to FICA withholding from by an employer. Rather, it applies to trade and business income carried on by the individual, but excluding that income that arises from the employment, from the work, from the trade or business as an employee is not considered trade or business for purposes of self-employment tax. Well, what that means is it fails this test too. So it's not subject to FICA, it's not subject to self-employment tax, it falls through the cracks. Most professionals, when they first hear this, say, I don't care what you tell me, the IRS will not go along with this. You would be wrong. In fact, this is where the issue first arises. Art Camlet on the tax professional discussion groups on Yahoo and groups.yahoo.com points out specifically that the IRS actually has a SPIF poster that they have posted on their website. And the link will be posted on my website for this podcast and also on my website edzollers.com. I will post you the link that comes in here. But the IRS poster literally comes down and it's a poster that's designed for auto manufacturer incentive programs designed for the employees. It's really a little two-page flyer. And that poster specifically says that basically these are taxable income. They should be reported on page one as other income. They are not to be reported on Schedule C. They are not wages subject to FICA. In fact, the the flyer calls this good news, meaning that we'll, and we'll accept for most employees that's considered good news. As well, the document goes on to note that these payments are considered as employment. Therefore, any deductions are not taken on Schedule C, and this is not a a, an item that is allowed, that is subject to the self-employment tax. Now, you don't get deductions on Schedule C because Section 62 only allows above-the-line deductions for trade or businesses that are not employment-related. This is employment-related. So it is and it isn't employment. It's employment income, but not from your employer. And the IRS goes along with this. The link is actually, and it's a long one if you're writing this down, so you need a pen and pencil. But you will find it at www.irs.gov slash pub slash irs dash pdf slash p3204.pdf or get the link off edzollers.com. And you will find this document will document exactly. And the explanation of the why comes from the code. If you follow the code, it actually follows through very well. Now, Michael Wing, also on Tax Professionals, who brought this issue up initially and brought up the question about going into this in more detail because he's found that professionals are confused on this matter, uh, also pointed out that there may have been an implication in the previous podcast that you would always want to avoid Social Security, FICA, or self-employment tax. I should say that what we were discussing in the previous podcast was primarily the tax angle and how it would be avoided. Most clients want to avoid it. I do agree with the point that Michael was making that for non-tax reasons at times, there are very good reasons to want to perhaps be in the system, not out of the system. Uh, you always have to remember when doing tax work that tax is only a part of any financial decision. You don't make all decisions and you counsel clients that the tax tail does not wag the economic dog. 
There can be very sad cases for individuals who never have qualified and become disabled, don't have the proper number of quarters because they've structured their affairs in such a way that they never became subject to FICA. And their thought was they're looking at the retirement and they're looking at coverage under their spouse's coverage. And they just never thought about the fact, well, what happens if I get disabled before I hit retirement age? And now I need to qualify on my own. So as always, when making a decision that is tax-based, always, always counsel clients that it's important to understand that there are non-tax decisions and they need to make those. So these are a couple of issues. I suggest, again, you follow up and look at this on the SPIF, the SPIF document from the IRS. I also suggest if you have future or any other comments, you can send those to me at ed.ed at hmtzcpas.com. We can, you can send me any comments you have on this podcast. We're still experimental here, uh, but I hope to respond to anything that somebody might come up with and might uh, raise as an issue. As well, I think it's important to note that these discussion groups, and I've posted references to my podcast on three different groups, and I would suggest as tax professionals, especially here in Arizona, who can access all three, if you're a member of the Arizona Society of CPAs, you can access all three, but those who are members wherever, there are these the other resources I will talk about here briefly, that you need to take a look at these and be going. The discussion groups are a great place to bounce ideas off of other tax professionals. And I've stuck now more with groups that are tax professional oriented. Places you can find those discussions to bounce an idea off a client, the Arizona Society of CPAs sponsors a discussion list for members of the Arizona Society of CPAs that you can find on their list of discussion groups on their website. You go to the Arizona Society of CPAs and you look at listservs and you'll get to where you can subscribe to the tax listserv where there are discussions that will aim more toward the Arizona routine. Uh, also, there are two very good groups on Yahoo groups. Now, this is at groups.yahoo.com. You have to sign up for a Yahoo account. A very active group is run by the California Society of CPAs on Tax Talk. That group's name is Tax Talk. You can look for it by that name on Yahoo. Uh, you do need to be approved to become a member of that group, but all CPAs, EAs, and attorneys. I believe CPAs and attorneys. I should strike EAs there. I believe the technical requirements are to be a CPA or an attorney, but CPAs or attorneys can sign up for that group. And again, that's at Tax Talk on on groups.yahoo.com. There's also Tax Professionals, a similar group limited to tax professionals that you need to qualify for. Again, at groups.yahoo.com. In both cases, I have found that the moderators are willing to let most people in and they would exclude them only if it appears for sure there is a problem or these people are not who they appear to be. But the groups are very high quality. There's a very low noise ratio. Most of the posts there deal with professional items. And there's usually very good results when you post a question there about issues and getting responses from people to follow up. As well, if you haven't checked them out, the American Bar Association has a very good set, set of lists. As I recall, their website is at www.abanet.org. And if you get to their discussion groups, they have many mailing lists, but ABA Tax is the one that you're going to be looking for, ABA-Tax. That group has some rather good and intricate discussions about many tax-related issues. Well, this is our interim midweek cast. Again, posted here in response to a couple of issues that arose. 
If you have additional comments, questions, or just wish to raise something, check in on the website edzollers.com. As well, you can email me ed at hmtzcpas.com. Again, this web this podcast is intended primarily for tax professionals. If you are not a tax professional, this is not really someplace. Uh, this has not been presented in a form that is usable generally by someone who does not know how to do tax research. As well, if you are a tax professional, please, please remember you must check out all conclusions stated here and verify them on your own. If you're a CPA, I remind you that you are professionally responsible for verifying the for verifying for not relying upon the work of a third party you're a tax professional you're responsible for the conclusions that you present to your clients and I still would suggest that any tax professional listening into this webcast is subject to the same set of expectations by their client that when you give them something you have stand behind it so please back research this the back research issues here are sections 3121 a section 1402 as well as check out that IRS publication non-binding though it may be this has been tax update for July 5th 2005